Friends, I bring you greetings from Kenora, First Presbyterian Church in Kenora. I've been on leave, uh, this is my third week. In fact, I end my leave tomorrow, uh, Monday the 24th of November. And so I've been away for three weeks, but I told him I would be coming here to share with you. And as of my last Sunday uh, that I preached there, they asked me to bring greetings to you. And so I extend their greetings. And we hope and pray that as you continue to experience God's grace in this part of the vineyard, that God will continue to work through you in marvelous ways for all the plans that he has in store for you. Um, for information, Matthew, I was back from Jamaica from last week. I came back last week, Saturday, so I, I've, I've been a week in the snow. Um, <laughs> but um, we give God thanks. We give God thanks for his journeying mercies and for all that he continues to do through us. I pray that even as we continue to share this word, that you'll be blessed in a special way. You know, I remember very vividly getting ready for ministry back in Jamaica. It was in the first part of 2003, after graduating from four years of theological college, and I had received news that I was placed at uh, this deep rural congregation uh, halfway up in the Mayday Mountains of Manchester. And so I, I, I thought, you know, it would be a good thing to meet with uh, the previous two ministers who would have pastored the congregation and just to get from them, you know, some information about what the place is like and the, the congregation and also some of the challenges that were awaiting me there. And so we met one day in Mandeville. This was the closest town to Fairfield. And I remember over lunch talking with the two ministers. One had spent seven years and the most recent one had spent five years at Fairfield. And I remember them talking to me about ministry for a short while. But for the larger part of our sharing, they said to me, Jermaine, one of your biggest challenges in Fairfield is going to be one of your neighbors who live on a hillside overlooking the church. I thought it strange because I thought they would be telling me now that, you know, it's an aging congregation that because of brain drain and migration, you know, the, 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 the congregation is old and there, there are few youngsters in that congregation. But no, they said your greatest challenge is going to be a man called Roy. I remember though, my very first week driving into that man's, that yard, and I remember coming out of, of the car and looking at this quaint little house on a hillside overlooking the church and the manse. And I thought to myself, oh, that must be Roy's house. I started to walk in the evenings. And I remember in, in that uh, space of time, uh, people were being held up in our community, you know, mugged and their cars taken away and so forth. But after one week, I sat on my back step and I said, you know, I have to meet Roy. Not because I just want to meet him, but because he is my nearest neighbor. I said, I have to meet Roy because if I need any help, 
it's, it's only customary that I'm going to call on Roy for help. And so I remember walking up this little track. It was a stony road. And I made my way to his house. He was, he was in his backyard washing clothes. And I remember walking up behind him and I said, Good evening, sir. He turned around and he drew his machete. And he said, where have you come from? Are you a thief? What are you doing in my yard? I said, Roy, I am your neighbor from down the road. I am the new pastor at the Moravian church. And I have come to meet you. He put his machete down and with his wet hands, he stretched it out. And he said, good to meet you, pastor. The other thing he said struck me as if I was hit with a big stone. He said, you are the first member of that church to ever come and introduce yourself to me. The story would unfold in a, in a very miraculous way, friends, because I tell you, in the space of three months, Roy became my greatest friend, my greatest ally, and a good neighbor. This was a man who they say is a torment to the church. This was a man who they say had no share and part with God. This was a man who they say was going down the road to hell. I remember one night coming in and I, I, was, I was fearful that, you know, uh, another gentleman of the road was, was robbed the night before and I said, you know, it's coming closer to home. But as I walked into my backyard, I, I looked up into the hill and, and saw a shadow. Roy said, Pastor, I am ensuring that you get into your house safely because I saw some unsavory characters hanging around. I went out another day, my brothers and sisters, and in that part of Jamaica, rain falls every day. I remember the sisters had washed my clothes and, and put them on the, on the line outside. It's not like here where we have dryers and stuff, you know. But I remember coming home and, and to my surprise, all my clothes were bundled up on my couch. I remember getting up the next morning and looking up on the hill and Roy was saying to me, Pastor, the rain was coming down. I took your clothes from the line and I laid them inside. Months passed and, and we did not see Roy for a few weeks and I thought something must be wrong because I don't see the smoke from the hill. And so I, I journeyed up the hill and to my discovery, Roy lay ill in bed. He was sick. He was now, he had stage four lung cancer, and he was now in the last days of his life. He said to me, Pastor, I'm glad you came. I want yourself and your prayer group to come and pray with me. That day, my brothers and sisters, we not only prayed with Roy, but we led him to Christ. He said yes to the Lord. He died. He was saved. His life was given to God. What, what am I saying sharing this long story with you, my brothers and sisters? That sometimes we think that salvation is about us. That sometimes we think that the word of God and, and saving people is about us and, and what we can do and how we can do it and how well we can do it. But, but put that aside for a little while. The Apostle Paul, while in Macedonia, wrote this second letter to the church in Corinth. 
The Corinthian church had gone through lots of struggles. They had been through many heartaches and pains and they had been plundered and, and robbed. Their church had been torn down and rebuilt. But all of a sudden, there came a new struggle. That new struggle, my brothers and sisters, was that there were false teachers who were telling them that you had to be of a certain background, you had to be of a certain culture, you had to speak a certain way, you had to look a certain way in order to be anyone that God would use. The Apostle Paul heard of this. And so he wrote to them this second letter of Corinthians to encourage them that the word of God has nothing to do with us. But God's word is God's word. And all God does is use us as messengers. That was the, 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 the mainstay of Paul's message to the church in Corinth in the second letter. My brothers and sisters, Paul in verses 1 to 6, in verses 1 to 6, reminded the church in Corinth chapter 4 of their obligation, their obligation to make the message plain. He said to them, whatever you do, this word should not be veiled. It should not be hidden, but it should be made plain. But in verse 7, he moves on and he says to them, We have this treasure in jars of clay, so that it may be made clear about the extraordinary power of God through his word. This treasure, my brothers and sisters, that Paul speaks of is the glorious message of Christ. But he, he speaks very poignantly when he says, we have this treasure in clay jars. What are the clay jars that Paul is there talking about, my brothers and sisters? You and I. You, you see, clay jars were instruments and containers that were used to carry water, to store things, to put ornaments, to put jewels, and so on. But there was something particular about clay jars that were made in that day and time. Clay jars that were made in that day and time were often known to have cracks. They were often known to be marred, meaning that they were not properly made, so much so that by the time you put anything in them, they were broken apart. Clay jars also, my brothers and sisters, were so imperfect as containers that they could only hold anything put in them for a short time. Paul says, though, to this church in Corinth, that we have this treasure, the word of God, in jars of clay. What is Paul saying to us today at Prairie Presbyterian Church? What is Paul saying to us, the, the clay jars in this day and age and time? You see, sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we, we, we harp so much and we are held up so much on what we are able to do, on how we are able to do it. So much sometimes it is about our accolades and our credentials. So much it is about what we did in school and how learned we are, how much we can study, how much we can read, how much we can do what we do and do it well. But Paul 
is saying to us, as I believe God is saying to us today, that the sharing of the word of God is merely about us because we are simply pleasures. We are simply useless vessels. We are simply marred vessels. We are simply vessels that at times will be broken and chipped. We are simply vessels that are imperfect. So what, my brothers and sisters? It is us who God wants to use. It is us who God God wants to speak through. It is us who God wants to put his word in so much so that whoever we meet, they will hear the love of God coming from our lips. We have this treasure in jars of clay. So often, my friends, we think of the ministry of the church and the spreading of the gospel in terms as if it is only a set-apart job. It is only a set-apart vocation for certain individuals. But let us rewrite that a little today because Paul was not speaking to the leaders of the church in Corinth. Paul was not speaking only to the priests and and the scribes and those who were brilliant. He was speaking to the common man. He was speaking to the common member. He was speaking to those who who felt in their lives that they were not worthy. He was speaking to those who felt that they did not have what it takes to share the gospel message. And he says to them, we have a treasure, the word of the living God in these simple clay jars. My brothers and sisters, many of us are ordinary folk. Many of us may not have the jobs in parliament. Many of us may not have a job in this city that many may consider as important. We are ordinary people, but that's what Paul is talking about. It is the ordinary individual you are that God wants to use in you because man sees the outward condition, but God looks at the heart. My brothers and sisters, as we consider our work and our duty and what we ought to do for God, remember this. You may be ordinary in the sight of humanity, but in the sight of God, you are a chosen vessel. In the sight of God, you are one who God wants to use. You are one who God's put, God puts his treasure in, his word in, and by the power of his word and the power of God, his word will make sense. So I would say to you without any disrespect, get over yourselves. <laughs> you know, let's get over ourselves. Too often it is about us, you know? Too often it is about our can-dos and our can't-dos. Too often it is about our resumes. Let us get over ourselves for a while because it is about the word of the living God. It is about what God wants to do through us. It is about what God wants to do through these ordinary, through these fragile, through these unfinished through these cracked up, beaten up, and battered clay jars. It is about the power of the word of God. You know, Paul spoke very poignantly about this also to the church in Rome. 
when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. For not only one sake, but for all people who come in contact with it. Paul spoke also, my brothers and sisters, about the afflictions that people go through as they give themselves to the preaching of the gospel. He reminded them that these things are going to come. Hear what he says in verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. You see, in, in this day and age, in this time, I don't know what it used to be 10 years ago in Canada. I've just been here two years now. But you know, I have seen the church in my own country and so far gone through so much heartache and pain, perplexity and affliction. Christians all around are being battered by conditions. So many of us are in our minds thinking that somewhere along the line it is going to stop. It is going to falter. The work of the church is going to cease. But I say, if God is still God, and I believe he is, his word will remain forever. My brothers and sisters, afflictions are going to come. I am not here telling you that it's going to be easy. I'm not here telling you that spreading the gospel in Winnipeg is going to be a cakewalk. Oh no. What I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, is that through these afflictions, through these these perplexities, God Almighty is giving us power from on high. And by that power, somehow, somewhere, we are going to rise above. By the power of God and through his word, we are going to just tell others that Jesus Christ is Lord. We don't have to hold their hands and draw them into church. All we need to do is just let them know that because God is alive in your life, he is alive in theirs as well. And somehow, God will work through the power of his word to bring them unto salvation. Paul also says in verse 9, we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. The normal clay pots that you are, the ordinary individuals that you are, God knows we can hardly bear headaches. God knows that the, 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 the pandemics and epidemics that are about today, we will never be able to stand against. But God also knows, my brothers and sisters, that with his word in our lives, anchoring us, carrying us day by day, he knows that we are victors. And as we spread that message, as that gospel comes alive through us, Know, my brothers and sisters, that in this age, in this day, in this time, for now, for today, God is calling us to simply be those clay jars. All he's calling us to do, he's not sending some of us to college. That's what he did for Matthew and I. He sent us to universities, but there are those of us who, that's not what he's calling us to do. All he's calling some of us to do is to simply be a volunteer. Is to just be available. Is to just say, God, I will go. Is to just say to God, Lord, here 
I am, send me. You know, it may not be to go into the middle of the university to preach. It may not be to put up a tent on the street side. It may simply to go to a neighbor. It may simply to say to the other person in the kiosk beside you at work, Jesus Christ is Lord. It may simply be to, 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 to say to the neighbor and the next door, to, 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 to you and your building, Jesus Christ. Is Lord. It may simply be to say to a family member, the Lord loves you with an everlasting love. It might simply be to say, like my pastor said to me years ago, when I walked into his church stone drunk, he said, John 3 verse 16, and that day, my brothers and sisters, until now, it resounds in my ears. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today, we ordinary, broken, sometimes charred clay pots are in God's hands. And as he calls us, He's simply calling us so much so that we'll bear his treasures, the word of God, to a broken world. And as we bear God's treasures to this broken world, remember this importantly. It's not by our capabilities. It's not by what we can do. It is not by even how we say what we say or how we do what we do. It is by the power of God unto salvation. May God use you in this community. May God use you amongst your neighbors, amongst your friends, amongst your family members. May God use you to tell someone else Jesus loves you and wants to save your life. And as he uses you, normal, ordinary vessel, may his word come alive through you so that all who hear the gospel message can know that Jesus Christ is Lord. May the blessings of God be upon you all, even as you be his light, his vessel, his clay pot at Prairie and in Winnipeg. To him be the glory, to him be the praise. Amen.